Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Level Up Podcast. This is where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we are excited because we've got a couple of entrepreneurs on our show today. Of course, we have Greg Harrelson with us as always, but then we've got Mike Ferrante from both from Century 21. Uh, there's some interesting news to talk about related to Century 21. We'll get to that in a second. But first of all, Greg, I think you're back from yet another vacation of some kind. Uh, some, uh, It's been a good summer for you, it sounds like. It's been a busy summer for me. So we do a biannual uh, family reunion in California. My brother has a, uh, a vineyard out in California. And every other year we get the family together. It's about 100 people that uh, show up for the weekend. And uh, that's where I was, man. Uh, Very cool. but, it, but that was coming. Where was I before? Oh, I was at the Mike Ferry retreat the week before. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of things were back to back. I, I was on the West Coast, came back to Myrtle Beach for three days and then back on the West Coast. So my goal is yeah, to not, yeah. go in, not to go anywhere within the next month. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I think before that you were in the Philippines and then uh, like the yeah. beach and like there was, there was a whole bunch of stuff in there. So yeah, it's been a busy summer for you. Yeah. But so, don't uh, tell anybody. I, I Don't tell anybody. Okay. I don't want yeah, any, anyone to know that I've been having fun. That's right. He's doing nothing but dialing for dollars all the time. And I don't care who, he's, right. who says it. All right. So, uh, so Mike Ferrante, let's bring you in. Mike, how's it going today? Very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So it's uh, you have a, an interesting business model. We'll get into that. But before we do, just kind of give people a sense of kind of where you're at, how long you've been in the business, uh, and uh, and then we'll kind of delve into kind of the structure of your team. We'll start there. Sure. So uh, to put it very simply, I haven't really been an agent all that long. I got licensed at the very end of 2008. I had always been in real estate-related fields. I've always been a rehabber, a flipper, an investor. And uh, here I am now, 10 years later with a team and uh, doing a lot of business. Awesome. Very, very cool. So, um, so since 08 essentially has been when you've been in the, the residential real estate sales side, right? So at one point did you start like transitioning from being a solo agent to building out a team? Uh, well, so to take one step back in 2008, I also started out as a part-time agent and transitioned into being a full-time agent. And I think that's why I have sort of a soft spot and an understanding for part-time agents. After about uh, two and a half years of being licensed, uh, it's an interesting conversation I had with my wife. She said, gosh, you know, you're almost matching what you're making at the full-time job that you're not liking so much. Maybe it's time to go full-time. And so I ramped it up a little more, went full-time, and uh, kind of by accident, about two years later, uh, brought my first teammate on board and kind of figured it out along the way. So there wasn't really a set plan in fact, I always swore I'd never have a team, and here I am with 21 teammates. That's interesting. Wow. My, why, why did you say that? What were you What were you looking at going, I don't want that? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I thought that I wouldn't want the responsibility of worrying about what other people were doing under my umbrella. And as mm -hmm. it turns out, you know, we're one of the things we talked about earlier was delegation, uh, automation. And I think that uh, in order to have a business, not a job, you have to have people working with you. So I provide something of value to them. And in return, we're doing a whole lot of business working as, as a team. Very cool. So yeah, let's, let's get into the team structure a little bit. Cause you, you said you got a soft spot for a part-timer. So give us a sense of just the, the agents on the team, how many of them are part-timers and kind of what their production is. 
So about two thirds of my team is part-time. They might do one or two deals a year. They might do five to 10 deals a year. It just really varies. And as far as, uh, you know, how we work with them, I think that part-timers in our business get a pretty bad rap. And in many cases, rightly so, you know, as a full-time agent or as a buyer or seller, you want it when you want it. You know, if I don't care if you're on vacation, you know, Greg, you're in the Philippines. I don't really care. I want to, I want to get those answers to my questions. I want my documents signed. And we have a lot of people in the biggest transaction of their lives worrying about getting stuff done. And I think that's one of the big knocks on part-timers. So by opening my doors and saying, come work with me, I'll give you some infrastructure. If you're at your full-time job during the day and something has to happen, let us help you with that. And in return, I make something off the the business that they do, and I'm providing them something of value. And I think I'm making the real estate community a better place in general for all of us to do business. That's 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 pretty cool. Let, yeah, let me ask a question. So, um, out of the uh, the agents that you have full time, I'm I'm more thinking about um, the full time ones right now. Mm-hmm. Is there a percentage of the, your full time time agents that actually first got with you um, as a part time agent, and then it they it it took off, and then they converted to a full time agent? Is that one of your? Is that like an incubation type of system? Is it working out that way? It's a great idea. It has happened. A little bit, and a couple of my folks are working toward that. So there are people okay. with full-time jobs. I've got one guy who's a union terrazzo guy. So you know, the terrazzo is that little tile that you'll see in public buildings and the airport. And my guy Jim, he's got about three, four more years till he can retire, and he wants to hit the ground running with his real estate career. So he does mm-hmm. about uh, eight or ten deals a year, and uh, yes, he's ramping up to retire and then go full-time. I've got one gal by the name of Erica, who when she joined me was doing two deals a year. She had quit her full-time job already, so she had burned the boats, as they say. And she (laughs) just said, wow, you know, I've been doing this now the last two years full-time, and I'm closing a couple deals a year, can't pay the bills. So she joined me in her first year with me. She went from two deals the previous year to to 22 deals. So I think that, uh, I think I've made a friend for life there. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, and I, you know, you're talking about um, bringing these part-timers in. They're, they're kind of, they're, they, there's very few people that are supporting them. So I commend you for that. You're definitely providing an opportunity, but you're also providing a, a, an opportunity from the, the exit out of something if they're not really passionate about what they're currently doing um, and they're passionate about real estate. You're one of the very few that I've ever heard. As a matter of fact, maybe the only one that I've ever heard that has this as a business model. So I really like that. It's pretty it's different. It's pretty cool. So Mike, how are you keeping in touch with them, especially with them having, you know, in some cases that you mentioned an actual full-time job? Yeah. Another great question, uh, Matt. So it's difficult, especially since we're spread out over all of Northeast Ohio. Uh, Some of us live uh, 45 minutes apart and it's really hard to get together with them in person, both due to geography and due to the fact that they're part-time. So we're using every bit of technology we can get our hands on. We're doing uh, conference calls where they just dial in and we try to talk about things that are relevant at the time. Uh, we don't really meet at an office. Our I, our brokerage is set up much like our team. And in fact, that's kind of how my team grew the way it did. We have one office in all of Ohio and 350 agents. So on a much larger scale, imagine as a broker in Cleveland trying to keep in touch with your Columbus agents, your Dayton agents. So we we handle it the same way. It's largely by phone and email. We don't meet face-to-face very much. 
Uh, we're doing all our documents electronically, I'm sure, as most people around the country probably are now. Uh, in fact, our transaction coordinator, who's a key piece to all of this, uh, she's a local girl, and she's getting ready to move to Western Ohio. And about, um, gosh, about six months ago, I had this moment of panic. I said, gosh, Liz, what if you ever leave us? What am I going to do? And then we both kind of looked at each other and said, it doesn't matter. I never see you anyway. You could be living in California, and you could still work for us. So we're uh, able to work without even seeing e each other now. Hmm. You, you know, I, yeah, I'll just touch on that real quick. I've got the same situation. I've got one, a, a, a staff member that's been with me for 15, 16 years, and uh, she wants to retire and she wants to go to uh, Virginia uh, when she retires. And so we just decided that why wait to retire in three or four years, go on up to Virginia right now. And she's the cl head closing coordinator. And what I did is we took her out of our office um, in, in Myrtle Beach and we sent her home as a as a test we made her we're not made we suggested she work at home get out of the office she did that for six months figured out what what would break down with her not being in there find out what the solutions are once we figured out what the solutions are to move her out of the office into her home then it didn't matter if her home was in south carolina or virginia so i i think we're going to see more and more of that you know it's just it's something that technology allows us to do mm-hmm yeah, especially with, uh, you know, on, on the coast, just the high cost of living. Um, one of my clients on the podcast side is, is you know, building a team in L.A. And, and one of the things, the key things he feels like is wrong with like the kind of the team model is that the salaries that you have to pay your admin staff in, in places like Southern California, San Francisco, Miami, you know, Boston, whatever the case is, almost break that model. Uh, and so if you can figure out a way to, to do what you did, Greg, where you can hire, you know, send people off, essentially they could go and you could hire your almost your entire admin staff in low cost, you know, Midwestern states and then have them run everything. So you have a completely different cost advantage. So that's an interesting idea for people. Yeah, absolutely. So Let's talk, Mike, with about the about the role of the team manager for you, uh, because this is something where a lot of people would, like you mentioned, like if you, especially if you have that kind of that a little bit of a trepidation about the people that are doing business underneath your brand, you might want to really have a lot of hands-on control. Um, of course, they want to keep as much profit as possible in a, in a team like that. They want to you know take as much to the bottom line. But you've really chosen to have somebody kind of a layer of management in between you. So explain kind of what your reasoning was and, and how that person functions. Well, without that person, it's me. So if I'm still going to be in production and I'm still going to be bringing in listings and, and that's really what I'm good at. So they say, do what you're good at. And uh, if it weren't for Laura, I would have to spend a lot of my hours in a week handling a lot of the more day-to-day -day things that come up as a course of doing business, questions on a particular deal, uh, questions from my teammates saying, how do I fill out this paperwork? I'm having trouble with another agent in a negotiation. That's never happened, right? Uh, how do I handle it? So by delegating that portion of the job, I'm now able to focus on other things. So there's really no difference. Uh, you delegate something or another thing, and I think you just uh, get to pick. When you're, the, when you're the team leader, you get to pick which portion you delegate, and I guess that's uh, kind of liberating. So I'm really focusing on what I enjoy most and letting Laura do what she's good at. Very cool. So you that's stay awesome. in the you stay in the process. Your your main focal point is listing. So I'm assuming that's generating a lot of buyer opportunities for your team. Is that that's where it's coming from? So so how do you? I, just a random question. How do you determine lead distribution 
between somebody who would be part-time versus full-time, um, you know, is there are certain rules that you've set in place to say, mm -hmm. hey, this person's full-time, so they get X amount of leads. This person's part-time, they get none or get some. Can you just share some of that? I think that would be interesting for the audience. Man, you guys asked some great questions. Uh, so <laughs> like everything else, uh, almost every answer I have here is te technology. So you find the right tool and you use it. So uh, it's okay to throw out some brand names here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not endorsing or or, okay. or anti anything. Okay. Well, so uh, one of the uh, pieces of software that we use it's called Five Street, and I'm sure there's other similar yeah. methods out there. Uh, Five Street. There's a couple different ways you can use it, and initially, uh, we started off with more of a, um, a round robin. I think they called it. Where Greg, more to your point, we'd say, well, okay, uh, David hasn't had a lead in a while, and he's full time. Let's give him this one because it's a good one. But what we found was that that's not very efficient as far as time is concerned, as the response time to a lead. So now we use a broadcast method, and and yeah. Five Street has a really cool tool where you can actually take your agents and put them into subgroups. And when a lead comes in, in a particular part of town, as I told you, we're spread out all over Northeast Ohio. So uh, if, if there's a Northeast type lead, we have a group of agents that focused on those zip codes. So when a 44092 lead comes in, it gets broadcast to those five agents. Now, whoever's working, whoever's on the clock, so to speak, when that lead comes through, they click a button on their phone, on their computer, and they claim the lead. And Matt, I know you're going to ask me this. I don't know if I should steal your thunder, but you know, our rule on our team is a quick response time. That's something we demand of our teammates that you will, if you claim a lead, you will call them within five minutes. Now, I can't really track it other than spot checking. So I, I would love to come up with a better way to track that to make sure that they're adhering to that rule. But that's what we do. We broadcast, whoever's on the clock claims it, and we know that we're getting a very fast response time in most cases to the leads that come in. Nice. So as an example, how many people do you think, say on one of your subgroups or sub teams based on a, on a zip code, how many people might be in that group? It varies. So our business, my business started out in one particular neighborhood in Cleveland and it blossomed out from there. So in that neighborhood where we started out, I have maybe eight agents in that group. Okay. Now agents can belong by our choice to different groups. Sure, now, one sure. way we manage um, one way we manage lead hogs as we call them is that if we, you know, we'll monitor the number of leads people are taking and if we see someone's hogging the leads, we'll remove them temporarily from different groups so as to give other agents more of a chance. So there is a little That's bit of true. manipulation that goes on there, but it can vary from uh, two, three, well probably not less than 3 agents in a group up to maybe 8 in a group. And does it ring when it gets broadcasted? Because I'm familiar with some other broadcasting systems. I'm assuming it gets broadcasted to everybody in the group. And the first person who is, uh, you know, claims the lead gets it. And then when they claim it, do, is it being answered in, in live? Like right there, they're, they're, they're saying hello and starting the conversation? Um, no. So when they claim it, they have to click a, the phone number to, to dial. Because there okay, might be a two, it. three minute delay between, yes. well, the, the lead arrives virtually instantaneously. Uh, Five Street will send out a text and an email to the lead. And uh, we've crafted the message that goes out both in the text and the email to sound as though it's coming from me. And that's another reason I stress so much how important it is for folks on my team to get back to people. Because when a, when a prospect uh, 
a month from now says, hey, what'd you think of, uh, or what do you think of this agent? What do you think of Mike Ferrante? I don't want the answer to be, well, he never called me back because they don't real they don't say, well, David didn't call me back. They say, I asked about a house and Mike texted me and he never called me back. Uh, so I went off on a tangent and completely forgot what I was talking about here, but uh, uh, <laughs> we were talking about- Well, just what, to give oh, people an idea, how, how many Fox. listings do you have on the market right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, and then of course I'm back, but the response they're they're, they're getting a call, a, a, a text and an email, and then our teammates calling within five minutes. And I think that kind of answers your question. Yeah. Um, right. So Matt, you wanted to go to listings next? Yeah. Just, yeah. Briefly, just let people know kind of uh, what the, the leading, like the leading edge of this whole thing is you out there prospecting, getting more listings. What, what have you got on the market right now? Yeah. So right now we're just under 80 listings, um, you know, and we're shooting for a hundred, but our market, I'm sure like many, it's very hot right now. It's hard to keep a right. listing on the market. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. So you've got, you're generating a ton of just organic buyer leads essentially that then, you then you're it. able to farm out to part-time agents. So yeah, it's a great, yeah. a great, great model for anybody that's, uh, I mean, Greg, if you're, if you're, a, you know, this is the kind of the, the, what would you call this? Almost the tipping point where you have some big decisions to make on the type of team that you want to build because now the lead gen is kind of scaled up and taken care of, at least from the point of view of you have the inventory, you have the buyer calls that are coming in, you have the agents to take them. Now the question is, what's next, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind yeah. of that's that's an interesting conversation to have because I know Mike, you're you're thinking about this, you're you're thinking about, you know, like changing out your CRM and and that's one of the reasons that uh, that I correct connected you and Greg offline, but I'd love to have bring some of that conversation to the podcast because this is a big big question that you see come up with uh, with agents all the time. So Greg, I want to just go through kind of um what are some of the let's say the top 2 or 3 things that an agent should really think about? when they're looking at a CRM, regardless of what they're looking at, what system they're thinking about, but just kind of put it, put things in perspective in terms of just how do you look at a CRM system and what it's supposed to do and how you're supposed to use it to kind of start making that decision of what to go with? Yeah, I, I think the, the most important thing is, is being cl- having clarity on what you want the end result to look like. Not from a goal standpoint, I want a CRM to help me get to 1,000 transactions. Not like that. But what do, you, what do you really want to do? What's your primary functionality that you're looking for? Is it communication? You want you know marketing automation? You want it to automate communication where you can just, like the Infusionsoft, you put it in there, you, you just kind of set it and forget it and let it go, and then you monitor engagement? Or are you looking at, for scheduling and reminders or are you looking at for you know for the real geeks and the boomtown type CRMs where you can actually see the buyer's activity their search criteria the challenge is is not a lot of CRMs do everything i just said right. um you know this like infusionsoft is not going to tell you what they were searching on your website right and then and then and then the uh, real geeks or boomtown crms are not going to really give you good intel on the engagement that the people in your database are actually how much they're engaging so you know you know when to call and who to call right mm-hmm. so i think it's important to figure out what's your main the what's the main functionality you desire and then making sure that the crm that that's their strength Right. And the, yeah, the best CRM, the, the, the best CRM as a true CRM, because I don't even call Infusionsoft a CRM. I, I call that a lead identification system. It, it is a place where we can put our database. And yes, it's a CRM in, in, within some functionality, but I don't use it as a CRM. I use it as as a uh, a spy to basically monitor click patterns, engagement levels, and determine uh, the probability of someone actually selling so I can meet them before they actually meet another agent. 
Okay. So now if you a straight CRM follow-up boss is probably one of the better CRMs on the market. That is that is a CRM that's not attached to a website or anything else. It's just a true CRM. Right. Makes that's, sense. that's my take on it. So Mike, let's bounce it over to you. So when you when you're looking at um, you know, kind of where your team is now and what the next step is for you, what's do you have like a clear picture of kind of what you want the technology to do for you, just setting aside what else is out there? Just what would you like it to do for you? Yeah. Well, I have a great comment on this, and, and uh, I'm stealing this from someone else. I wish I could say this is a Mike Ferrante original, but you're going to want to grab your pencils and write this down. Because when someone asks you, hey, what's the best CRM out there? This is the answer. It's the one that you use. So <laughs> in, in all seriousness, uh, I think that a lot of agents get bogged down on picking the right CRM and frankly, when you start weighing the differences, Greg, you make some great points there about which one has the best functionality for, for what you want. But if you don't use it and you don't use all those tools, then what's the point of having it? You know, I would lean towards something a little simpler that maybe doesn't have all the bells and whistles and ease, in, ease into using a CRM. Because I think inevitably what happens is that most agents uh, worry so much about, well, does it do this? Does it do that? You know, does it Julianne Fries? And then they don't, they just are so overwhelmed with it that they don't use any of it. So uh, yes. really for us, we I, I think we're pretty happy with our CRM. Um, the conversation we were having had more to do, and Greg, you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Real Geeks website. You know, that's something that I want to, you know, dig in with you off offline when, whenever yeah. we get a free moment. But for me, I would rather keep the, the CRM simpler and make sure that my teammates are using it. I don't want to give them this unwieldy piece of machinery that they just throw their hands in the air and say, I'm not using it. Yeah, that I mean that's that, that's critical, and I'll be more than happy to to share my experiences with you on 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 the Real Geeks platform. No, no doubt about it. You know, uh, Matt, you also said, you know, remember the the name of the podcast is Level Up from Agent to Entrepreneur, and and right now what we're talking about is actually going is making a transition from being an agent. And I know, you know, uh, Mike, obviously a team and an agent, I, I kind of put that in the same category. But now we're starting to talk about operations. We're starting to talk about, you know, leverage and using technology. This is where we're leveling up from agent to entrepreneur. And I think like when I see agents that are in this kind of transition where they've, uh, they, I won't say they've mastered being an agent, but let's just say they've got it whipped, you know, they, they, they're doing a damn good job at it. Well, then the first thing that I start to look at it, look at when making the transition is now, because the entrepreneur, what they're going to do is hopefully on an agent level, they're making profitability. Now it becomes return on time and return on investment. It's where you put your money that you've made as an agent a lot of times that determines how you do as an entrepreneur. And, you know, and I'm, I buy real estate. So some people say, okay, I'm making all this money as a real estate agent and I'm going to buy a piece of real estate and I'm going to get a 10% annualized return. Fantastic. But do you realize 10%? Like when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I got an investment where you can make 10%. I look at them and say, you know, that's, I, I know I should be thankful for 10% and 12% and 15%. But you realize when I invest my money in my business, I make hundreds of percent returns. Yeah. And that's agent to entrepreneur, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Greg. I mean, it's um, it's one of those things where um, I, I've, I've heard that from the financial advisor world too. 
in terms of like one like one of the prominent financial advisors cautioning his own industry about dealing with independent business owners for that exact reason. They'll steer people into investments because to them, it's a good rate of return and then completely forget about the fact that if they reinvested their clients, the clients reinvested their own money in their own business, it would may grow many, many times whatever investment vehicle they could offer, whether it was CD or even a, even a stock. And so that's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, uh, as as agents, like somebody like Mike and myself, we can say, well, we've spent this amount of money and that could be not necessarily buying leads. It just could be the cost of doing the business that it it costs us X amount of money to produce a lead. And he gives out X amount of many leads to his agents and they convert X and this amount and, and that makes him X. Okay, now all of a sudden he's like, wow, I'm making like. 150% return on my money on these buyer leads. Well then, okay, well, you know, maybe if you go out and invest in generating some more leads, maybe you won't get 150% return off the next 100 deals, but you might get a 75% return off those next 100 deals. And then you go and do another 100, and now you're getting a 50% return, right? Because the the more volume quantity you're going to do, the the margins are going to shrink a little bit. But that's how I think people that are trying to to scale up and do bigger business should be looking at it. They need to be looking at that return like that, investing their profits back into their business. Yeah, but hold, but hold their account. You gotta you gotta hold your money accountable. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta hold it accountable. All right, Mike. So I'm curious. Let's get back into a little bit on how you've grown your team. Uh, has it been very very organic for you? Have you set targets in terms of how many agents you want to bring on, or do you you know is it more of a organic process of people coming to you through word of mouth? How has that gone for you? So you're spot on organically to this point, although this year we did finally set some goals for recruiting. So we haven't really done any active recruiting to this point. It's been word of mouth, uh, literally just talking to an agent that we just did a deal with. I think I mentioned Erica earlier, closed a deal with Erica, and next thing you know, she's asking me about the team. So I really liked doing it that way. But I think now, Greg, to, to your point about reinvesting in your business, we're realizing that this model is working. Why not actively grow it? So if that means spending a little money or, or time on uh, recruiting, certainly we have this infrastructure in place to add, add 10 more agents. We could do that without missing a beat. Very cool. Very, very cool. Greg, what do you see as the, um, the next challenge for someone that's in Mike's position in terms of, of recruiting? Because I, I can see, you know, with him still being active in the listing business, there's a couple of ways you could go. You could go recruit agents that don't specialize. You can try to replace yourself as a listing specialist and go kind of the, the, um, the millionaire real estate agent model. I mean, what, what do you see as the, the, the challenges coming down the road as, let's say, Mike adds 10 or 20 agents to his team? Yeah, I would say the onboarding process, the onboarding and getting them from the minute that they switch their license over or get a license and and, and the first 90 days. So it's the onboarding process because it, it becomes something that it's so easy to overlook onboarding. It's so easy to say, okay, do this, do this, do this. Oh, we'll get to that later. But those things that you don't do that seem to not be that important on the front end of the relationship always come back to haunt you later on over and over again in year one and year two and year three. You know, So I would say the onboarding, if you're going to bring more people in, then that means you're going to have to streamline and automate as best you can the onboarding process. That's what I would be looking at. Man, you guys are smart. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I got to tell you, it's it's reaffirming to hear you say stuff like that <clears throat> because that's exactly what what we've done. We're we're in the process of putting all our procedures on paper, and yeah. the one that yeah. we just worked on last quarter was our onboarding process. So prior <laughs> to ramping up our uh, recruiting efforts, that's exactly what we did, and we're just about done with that, and we're about to roll out recruiting next. So that's, that's a great awesome. point, Greg. Yeah. And just just so you know, a lot of us are are actually, you know, we're we're manualizing or checklisting the onboarding process, and with the exception of of things that really need intimate connection and one on one conversations, we're actually having a VA do everything. So when it comes to making sure that business cards are ordered and making sure that they signed up for the MLS and making sure that they did this and they did this and they know who to go to and 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 their email addresses issued and they need a photo for their for their website. It does not take anybody, you know, in your office to do that. That's something that can actually be done through a VA. So just a little heads up as you're as you're constructing this, because it's important to keep those costs down, obviously. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. So, Mike, give us an idea. You're, you're obviously you're, you're building out this kind of infrastructure, getting ready for recruiting. You may, may be adding in some recruiting tasks uh, into your calendar. You're still extremely active and heavy uh, in the listing side. So give us an idea of what your what your day kind of looks like so that you balance those two roles. Wow. I was afraid you were going to ask something like that. I've had agents that join me, uh, say, I would love to shadow you for a day. And I always shake my head and say, you don't want to see that. That's pretty ugly. Uh, because it's not as glamorous as you might think. Uh, I mean, so I, it doesn't start with a visit to the spa and right, then a nice no. <laughs> relaxing cappuccino. Well, I don't understand. I don't get it. Right. No, that, okay. you know what? I'm sure they would like that. Uh, yeah. so, my day starts pretty much the same time every morning, uh, get a workout in and then, um, start hammering on emails. I know that like Tim Ferriss and those guys say, don't check your email first thing in the morning. But for me, it's quiet time. Um, I do a lot of my lead gen via email. You know, I'm not, I think we talked about this. I'm not really a fairy guy. I'm more of a buffini guy. So the dialing for dollars for me, when I'm dialing, it's sphere. It's, it's people that uh, have been referred to me that I may be cultivating that are going to be ready to list in a week three weeks, three, three months. So I'm staying in touch with those folks. I'm reaching out to past clients and a lot of that I'm doing with email. Now, certainly I'm picking up the phone and doing some pop buys here and there as well. Uh, but typically I leave my calendar very open so that I can slot in appointments. I'll have weeks where I'll have no listing appointments scheduled. And then by Monday afternoon, I've got five, you know, so I'll, I'll literally, uh, either just through uh, phone, answering the phone or by reaching out to a few folks, I end up with um, a handful of listing appointments for the week. And obviously those are top priority because that's what makes me money. Um, and then from there, you know, there's just um, the, the other tasks that kind of fill in the gaps. I have on, on my plate um, are agent contacts, you know, so I'm still staying in touch with the team while my team manager is the primary point of contact, I think they're on the 21 Mike team for a reason. You know, they came because they want to work with me. They want to learn from me. So they've got to have some contact with me still at this point. Uh, but, you know, the rest of my week is kind of fluid. You know, I don't have a lot of things etched in stone, but I can tell you this, that uh, I my weeks all start not with uh, the work time, but it starts with the personal time. And that's one of the things we talk about when we re recruit both talent for admin and for our agents. You know, we say that it's, uh, you know, you shouldn't be a slave to your job. You, you should, you know, put your family first. If you've got uh, kids with games or, um, you know, like I've got date night. Well, very first thing that goes into my calendar every week is, is, is date night. And then we schedule around those, those items. 
So I, I guess it's not that it's ugly, but it's just maybe not what you might think it might look like if you were to shadow me for a day or for a week. <laughs> yeah. That's well, a, you know, that's about what I expected. What, what it tells me, though, is that he's doing a really good job leveraging his manager. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Because I'm sure stuff's still getting done, Mike. I mean, you might be, you know, uh, doing it exactly how you described, which of course I'm sure you are, but there's a lot of things. There's still a lot of other moving parts that happen throughout the day. So, uh, for this to keep going and for you to keep growing at the trajectory that you're on, obviously you're managing your, your sales staff, or I think you call it a, a manager, um, on the, on the front end of the conversation. Yeah. And I guess, I guess to elaborate on that, Greg, we, we have, uh, time blocking, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not a Keller guy, but I've learned a lot from the red book and, you know, from the different, uh, from the other books and from some of the classes, but we firmly believe in time blocking. And that's why I mentioned scheduling the personal time first. And then all the other stuff, our admins have very concrete goals, uh, expectations. So my marketing girl has a certain number of posts that she's going to do on Facebook, for example. Uh, we produce a certain number of videos every week, and we batch those tasks such that she's not doing a video on Monday and then another one on Thursday. She does all her videos on Wednesday. Uh, she schedules all our Facebook and o- other social media posts on Monday, and a lot of them are done automatically through, through Hootsuite. So I guess to your point, you use the word managing them, yeah, but that was all done on the front end, and now it's just an occasional check-in. You know, once a week we have a quick 15-minute conference call with the team. We bring up issues, we solve problems, we talk about opportunities, and that's literally once a week a 15-minute phone meeting. That's the extent of our staff meetings. Man, that's that's really good, Greg. There, there's something there that I think people would probably gloss over and just go, oh, you know, that's that's really nice. Like he has, a, you know, he has goals for you know how much he wants to get done, whether it's social media and for every every member of the position on his team. But there's there's something there, Mike, that you're doing that's very yeah. good, which is you're not just saying like most agents go, I need to do more of X. And we all mm-hmm. do this, not just agents, but we all go, we all kind of have that vague kind of, I need to do more of this, but very few people go, okay, what does, what does more actually translate into and putting a concrete number on it and then holding yourself and your team accountable to that number. And of course, I'm sure with your, with your marketing person in particular, that is an agreed upon number, not a dictated from the top down number, but it's something that she feels like she can hit. And those are two really, really good keys to managing your people, especially with posting on social media or with anything where they have like these a certain number of tasks that you want to get done. Uh, it's very easy to just say and and kind of dictate from the top down, hey, we need to do more of this. And the yeah. staff is left wondering, what the hell does that mean? And how do I know when I'm actually doing it? Uh, but breaking it down into numbers, it's it's a discipline yeah. thing as a, uh, in when you're in leadership, but man, it, it helps out a lot, both yourself and yeah. your team. I, I have a comment uh, and a way to actually uh, put it in a, a tangible way there's an author by the name of Gino Wickman. Uh, he did jet fuel and then traction. And in traction, one of the things that we that we really took to heart were the scorecards. So uh, track, the, the traction scorecards are literally just a, a chart of numbers. And this is every week. We, we look at the scorecards and say, did you hit your numbers this, this week? I think his quote in, in the book is, everyone has a number. You going to mm-hmm. show me the book? Uh, actually, I'm going to show you this book. So get a grip is the new book by, uh, by Mike Payton and Gino Wickman. We had Mike Payton on my, on my, uh, one of my, the other shows that I run and yeah, this is, their stuff is phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Cool. 
I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, listen to both of those. Yeah, very really, shortly. Really good stuff. Traction, uh, rocket fuel is great. Get a grip is kind of a novelization, like a, like a fable, almost like the Patrick Lencioni stuff, uh, and and then taking the concepts of rocket fuel attraction and putting them into kind of an easy to read fable type uh, type format. So yeah, but amazing, amazing stuff. So um, yeah. there's um. Uh, I, I just ran into a, a guy in the investing side who's built a shared services model that has over 250 members, and they run everything on Gino Wickman's entrepreneurial operating system. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. That thing scales up like nobody's business. It's great. That's cool. Cool. All right, Mike. So we've covered a ton of ground, but let's finish up with uh, with this. Let people know kind of how they can connect with you, and of course, I'm sure you'll send this out. Uh, on your local social media channels. So if people are listening to this and they're kind of in the greater Cleveland area, how do they reach out and possibly connect about joining your team? Uh, I guess the easiest way is the website, 21mike.com. Uh, I don't know, should I throw a phone number out there as well? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. All right. So our main office number is 216-373-7727. Uh, but 21mike.com is probably easier to remember. Sure. <laughs> good, good. All right. And then Greg, how about you? Uh, but before I you know, tell you uh, the same thing I always tell you about uh, how to connect with me, I just want to say if anybody in that, and you said you're in the Cleveland area, anyone in the Cleveland area is listening as a prospective real estate agent or somebody who's struggling part-time, I can tell you right now, Mike is probably one of the only ones that I've ever heard that will really take you in take you under his wing and really support you as a part-time real estate agent. So I, I just want to say, Mike, great job on that. But I also hope that maybe, um, you know, you, you, you bend somebody's ear and you actually get a few people that are struggling right now. You probably can help save their career. As for me to, um, you know, to reach me, it's Greg Harrelson at Gmail. And I tell you what, I really appreciate a lot of the uh, comments and, and feedback that I get, man, I get a lot of feedback through my email and also through Facebook messenger. So keep that coming. It makes me feel good. It, it inspires me to continue to do this as well as, um, you know, I like answering questions. So feel free to send them my way. Awesome. Uh, and then for the show itself, guys, uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, uh, Stitcher, depending on whether you want the video or audio versions and what kind of phone that you have. Um, you can always go to theleveluppodcast.com. Uh, you can also get the free training video on how to get started with marketing automation. So Greg, some of the concepts that you mentioned when we were talking about the CRM and that conversation about what you look for, you made some, you know, some references to Infusionsoft and just some of the capabilities that it has and how you look at how you use it. Guys, mm -hmm. if you're curious about that, this is like the secret to how Greg gets sellers essentially just calling and picking up the phone and saying, come list me. And Greg, it's how you know when to reach proactively reach out to those people so yes. that you get to them before another agent does. So the, the whole linchpin of all this is kind of the marketing automation systems that you've set up guys. So if you go to the leveluppodcast.com, just click on the, the tab for free uh, and you can just pop in your email and not only will you get the latest episodes of the show, but you'll get free access to that, uh, that training video that Greg and I put together for you to kind of take, uh, essentially take the, um, the first steps into that world to get your feet wet on that and to start thinking about going in that direction. So with that said, that will do it for this episode of the Level Up Podcast. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Everybody that was joining us on Facebook, we had some great guys like Chris Tam from Firepoint, Dan Hamilton, who is semi in your neck of the woods. Uh, Greg was uh, kind of dipped in and watched us on Facebook. We really appreciate you guys watching us on the live broadcast. And for everybody else, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.